0: Hey, teamsters! I'm Carrie Ann. and I'm Allison, and this is podcast without an audience. We're two friends, pick two topics, and find intersections or not. And today we are recording episode, our cult episode three. Woo-hoo. And today is very special because we are partnering with an amazing podcast called Could Have Been Heroes. Uh, One of my new favorite podcasts. So
1: good, right? It's so good. It's so much fun to listen to. I don't have a background in Dungeons and Dragons or any...
0: Mm
1: -hmm. uh, What's the acronym for role-playing games?
0: RPG. Yep. role playing games. games. (laughs) That's what I love about this podcast is that you don't have to have any kind of previous knowledge about any of the rpg or tabletop games you can really just dive right in yeah also i love what they're doing after every kind of story arc they are recording summaries yeah and that's really cool so that people who want to you know start and listen to new episodes as they come out or they can start from the very beginning it is fantastic yeah
1: Yep. If you do want to start listening to this podcast, I would suggest going back and listening to the first episode where Mm -hmm. each person like introduces themselves and their characters and gives you a little bit of background information. I mean I you you could pick up anywhere, but Oh, I was the first episode was really good.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. I also love that they have been they've known each other all for so long Mm -hmm. and they've really, really invested in the characters that they've created. Yeah. And it's just it's so much fun. You can tell how much Time and thought and energy
1: and also creativity and passion really go into this. Absolutely. So Could've Been Heroes is an actual play podcast where six old friends adventure as six total strangers who, after missing their shots at Destiny, now get a second chance to make a mess of everything. Set in the land of Fairy Tall, a world cast of a spirit of Wonderland and Oz, but with more murder, blood, and swears.
0: And swears. And swears. <laughs> yes. We love a good swear. I love a good swear. I really do from the bottom of my heart. <laughs> For <fuck> share uh, <laughs> So we have done a really cool thing. So we know on our Patreon that at a certain level, you are able to choose one of our topics. And so what we did with Could Have Been Heroes is we traded Patreon perks, which I fucking love here for it so they have chosen our topics for this week which we'll get to in just a second and then we were also able to choose um a dream sequence for them for an additional kind of pop-up episode for them which is history adjacent and it's just as weird as you'd fucking expect with the two of us it's a fever dream yeah (laughs) it's a fucking fever dream so, with that being said, um, we will plug them at the end as well. They'll also do a little promo in the middle of our segments. But if you are interested in checking out Could Have Been Heroes, check them out anywhere you find your podcasts. You can also uh, visit their website, which is Could couldhavebeenheroes.squarespace.com. And today, for my cult, because on cult episodes, I go first, which I forget every, every single, single time. time. I am going to be covering the cult called... Um, Shinrikyo. I can't wait. I've never heard of this cult, but it sounds Japanese. It is Japanese, yes. We are traveling to Japan um, in the 90s, which seems to be a very cult-heavy time, according <laughs> to our previous... <laughs> I mean, let's face it,
1: like 60s through
0: the 90s were prime cult time. And even today, which I'm sure we will cross that bridge in future episodes. But let's start out. Shitsu Mosumoto was born on March 2nd, 1955... Pisces season. Pisces! (laughs) He was the youngest of seven children. Yikes. So back to our birth order episode. Yeah, we got some
1: baby, last born son stuff going on. Yep. Also, his percentage of, do we know if his older siblings were male or female? I do not. Okay, so. I do not. Um, Was he gay or straight? Well, he had a wife, so I'm assuming straight. Also, it's not binary, so apologies. It could be any of the
0: above. So he was the youngest of seven. So <laughs> he was the youngest of seven children to parents who were the tatami mat makers. So they were the straw mats. You've probably seen them. I've slept on them. You have? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And they were from Kumamoto Prefecture in Japan. Okay. So, he was born with infantile glaucoma, which caused loss, total loss of sight in his left eye, and the majority of his sight was lost in his right eye. So, he did have partial sight in his right eye. Um, His family wanted the best education for him, and they sent him to Kumamoto Perfect School for the Blind. Mm -hmm. He did kind of develop, like, a, a reputation for being a bully. He definitely picked on the other uh students at his school one of the articles i read you know said that he was definitely playing on the fact that he did have partial sight in one of his eyes so he could definitely you know take advantage of the students around him unfortunately i think
1: that that's a really interesting theme within some minority communities where privilege is still leveraged um and in unfortunate
0: ways yeah so, Shitzau grew up to have big dreams. Um, he hoped to become a doctor. However, he was denied entry into medical school because of his disability.
1: So, considering this is our cult episode, I'm guessing when he was denied entry into medical school, he was like, shifting the big dreams, let's become a cult leader.
0: Right. Obviously, it was a <laughs> quick and fast turn. No, actually, he then decided he wanted to go to law school. Mm-hmm. However, it's a logical second choice. There we go. Doctors, lawyers, they marry each other all the fucking time. They have all the money in the world and they don't get to spend any time together. (laughs) So, but he didn't pass his entry exam, which. So plan C was cult leader. Exactly. (laughs) So, and I can relate to that too, because like I totally took the GRE and that shit was terrible. And I still haven't gotten my master's. So testing is the worst. Oh, and the GRE was especially not fun. Oh my fun. god, it was, it was it scarred me for life. I I'm know. not okay. <laughs> <laughs> so he did start to study and begin practicing acupuncture, which was the third logical next step before cult leader. Mm-hmm. But we will cross that bridge. Don't okay. worry.
1: I was about to say otherwise. This whole episode is very off the mark. Right. We're gonna have to contact Could Have Been Heroes and say pick another cult. for This us. is an
0: aromatherapy cult. <laughs> right <laughs> um, so he was practicing acupuncture until he was arrested in 1981 for selling fake chinese medicines as a pharmacist mm-hmm. so awesome. kind of like an hh home situation he's like psych or a mlm situation exactly so he's number one the chinese medicines weren't fucking real and number two he wasn't a pharmacist so Wah-wah. problematic <laughs> he did uh he he did go to jail briefly for this incident
1: the incident of
0: 1981 he then filed for bankruptcy but then he also got married so it's a busy time for him um (laughs) he had a lot going on in his personal life so he had his wife had seven children however i did read in another article that he had 12 children so i'm not sure if he had children with another partner or if she later had children that part's not quite clear but he also began to study religion. He focused on Buddhism, Taoism, meditation. And this is when he changed his name to Shoka Asahara, which is how we're going to be referring to him for the remainder of his days. So Shoka Asahara is meditating on a beach.
1: Mm-hmm. Well,
0: this one does. Like you do and it is said that a god descended from the sky and said quote i appoint you as the god of light that leads the army of gods so what's a boy to do
1: become a cult leader
0: become a cult leader so i knew we would get there eventually (laughs) and we're there and we're off so he at this point is like okay so i need to kind of go out and and get some followers What's interesting in the beginning of his career, he's practicing meditation. He's very much active in teaching his beliefs, getting followers, but he's not at this point charging for those. He's not charging for his services. He doesn't feel like he's personally enlightened enough to be charging, but later we'll kind of get to the fact that he he goes to India mm-hmm. and it's said that there is when he achieves his enlightenment. And after that particular trip, he's then able to charge. So we're kind of moving up along that time frame. There's an interesting juxtaposition between
1: enlightenment and then charging for your services. Like you would assume that it would be the more enlightened you are, the closer to deity or source or the universe. Yeah. Then the less you feel inclined to have money or Mm -hmm. to
0: need additional money. There's not a lot that we'll get to that makes sense about this. So So far, very little makes sense about this. And it gets worse. It gets worse. All right. My body is ready. So he had been growing his following since about 1984. And in 1987, the group is then given the name Amshin And this is when they begin filing to be recognized by the government as a religious organization. So, we've heard this before. Yeah, this is sounding oddly familiar. Uh So, there was some reluctancy from the government, obviously, because there's a certain process you have to go through, and depending on how sketchy you are, you have to jump through a few hoops, which they did, Um, and they were eventually recognized as a religious organization, um, and in 1989, they were given hashtag tax-exempt status. Good. (laughs) Which we know is a huge fucking thing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we should have a few more hoops for people to jump through. That would Uh, be excellent.
0: So that less
1: cults get tax-exempt status.
0: Amen. A few years later, a photo of Shoko Asahara is published of him levitating off of the ground. And this image is circulated wildly. And he uses this for advertising purposes, essentially to validate his quote, divine powers and basically to give him credibility as a guru and a religious leader. And along with this uh, photo, he did publish a book called, quote, beyond life and death, where he talks about his divine power. So along with this book, he's starting to gain credibility.
1: So this talk to me about this levitating incident. Have you seen the picture? I have seen the picture. Is he? Is it like there's a mirror and he's got one foot off the ground and it looks like
0: two because there's a mirror? There are no mirror. Okay, so and we'll post this on the Instagram and on the website. But basically, so he's sitting like crisscross applesauce, mm-hmm. and it's definitely like a Polaroid. So there's okay. no like Photoshop or anything like that. But he's sitting crisscross applesauce and he's basically like in the air crisscross applesauce. However, one uh, newspaper in Japan kind of did like an exposé on on that particular photo and like if you think about it if you're flexible enough you can basically like launch yourself off the fucking ground
1: yeah i'm and, thinking of
0: all those pictures of people like on beaches where they just jump up and yeah, yeah. like one for fun like, yeah let's exactly do yeah no it's it's similar to that he does have more of like a ragey face but other than that very similar yeah but if you do it at the right angle It's all about
1: angles, really.
0: You can do a lot with cameras these days. And speaking of cameras, at this point, he's, like, going on press tours. He's, like, really trying uh, his damnedest to, like, reach as many people as possible. Mm -hmm. So, during these televised appearances, he was basically, like, laying hands on people. And the majority of them were going to be people from the church. Um, So, they were going to be either planted in the office. In the office in the audience (laughs) or he's like bringing them on stage so they have these reactions like once he's laying his hands on them and he's saying prayers and meditations they start to like convulse and shake and then they're interviewed like really soon after and they're like how do you feel and they're like well amazing i feel enlightened woohoo So, while he's making these televised appearances, he's working on his second book. We love a sequel. We love a sequel. This one is super subtle. It is called, quote, Declaring Myself the Christ. (laughs) (laughs)
1: This Buddhism, or Western religion in general, was obviously very good for him. He
0: has a renewed sense of self. Absolutely. He's got his goals, working towards them. Working towards them. When you've got a goal, just fucking go for it. Nike. (laughs) So in this book, he, quote, declares himself the Christ. The whole thing with
1: Eastern religions is they're not Abrahamic. Mm -hmm. And they don't believe in, like, a Christ figure.
0: Right? Right. Well, yes. So, and he's pulling from a lot of different places. Okay. So he's, you know, at this point, I think it's safe to say because he's a shithead and, We'll cross that bridge here shortly, but Mm -hmm. he's getting his ideologies from a lot of different places, which plenty of people do. And that's totally fine. Just don't do what he's going to do here shortly. Just Um, don't become a cult leader. Don't Um, become a cult leader. D-bad. D-bad. Don't be a dick. Don't be a cult leader. Don't be a dick. So in his book, he does outline a doomsday prophecy. Um, we love a good doomsday prophecy. Love it. But he like basically insinuates that there's going to be like a third world war and there is going to be like a nuclear holocaust. Is he going to be the one to orchestrate these events? That's correct. Ha. <laughs> yeah. Basically, his organization, it's up to them to basically start the 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 process. So as a consumer, it's either your <laughs> your choice to either join them and like your soul will be saved, uh-huh. but also die, or you could just die. Choose your own adventure. There you go. So, essentially, that the world ending is imminent. And his followers were paying like a large sum of money, which is also really common in a lot of cults that we talk about. And they weren't necessarily paying it all to join the organization, but to do little extra. Extra things. Spend extra time with him. Mm-hmm. Maybe purchase some extra relics. Like people were um, drinking tea made of his hair. Oh, uh, mm-hmm. we? it reminds me of
1: uh, Hermione Granger with the polyjuice potion Her and honey. turning into a cat.
0: Mm-hmm. Similar, similar in texture. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a similar fa- flavor profile. I'm sure. Kind of earthy. Kinda <laughs> an earthy afterbirth. Initiation into the cult did involve a few options. You had to listen. You had your choices. The first was going through a blood drinking ritual.
1: Hmm. Mm hmm.
0: Yeah. Which would cost you about $8,000.
1: I mean, if you have $8,000 sitting around, why not spend it? Why not? Drink some blood.
0: So the blood drinking uh, ritual kind of involved actually drinking his blood in order to obtain some of his divine characteristics and to get closer to salvation. What other kinds of options are available to you if that's not your cup of tea? Well, you could sit in a scolding hot bath for extended periods of time for which people have died. I'm going to pass on that. Mm -hmm. I don't like being hot. (laughs) I'm going to pass on the hot. (laughs) Or you could be buried underground for a couple days. Okay of
1: the three is there a price difference or is it they're all eight, thousand dollars
0: they there is a slight well I don't have to TB- be TBH I don't have the the cost of the other ones besides the blood drinking that was the most expensive. The other ones are discounted. <laughs> you can find them on Groupon for a discounted <laughs> price um,
1: I think I'm gonna have to save up and go with the drinking blood the other two just sound really miserable um they do sound miserable um i also don't want to drink anyone's blood so maybe this cult is not for me
0: i would save your eight thousand dollars so a member like i said a member did die during um the second the being submerged in hot water he died and his body was cremated essentially to hide the fact that he died during this initiation process and there were some witnesses to this death. So a new member witnessed it, and he asked to leave the organization, and he was strangled to death. And this was in 1989.
1: Uh, if it looks like a cult and
0: it acts like a cult, mm-hmm. it might be a cult. It might be a cult. So what kind of people were signing up to join this organization? Doctors? Lawyers? The people that he wanted to be. Ooh, that's mm-hmm. very oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Scientists? Military and police and a lot of college students. A lot of college students. And over nine thousand he had nine thousand followers in Japan alone. And I think like forty thousand worldwide. That's terrifying. It's crazy.
1: I wonder if he marketed it as like a uh networking opportunity, like let me recruit all these doctors and lawyers and then mm. get these young people and they can see it as like being part of this elite club. Like, that's how I would have approached it from a marketing perspective.
0: We're going to get into the marketing in just a second. But oh, you really did deep dive on the research thank you, for thank this. You. I'm impressed. But what I did find in my re- research was that in the early 90s, there was um, a recession in Japan, which I didn't realize. So this cult was, like, essentially, like, the counterculture. So oh. there was a lot of pressure to be successful and financially stable. So, you know, a lot of the college students were basically you know they they were dealt bad cards so to speak right uh going into the workforce at that time so this was a another option for them another space to to look for other options the only problem was that once you signed up with the cult you did sign over your estates and your wealth to the organization
1: that's a theme that we've seen through now our third cult yes um and many others that i've heard of so oh yeah
0: they're like give me a feature so (laughs) but here's where we talk about advertising they had an anime oh yeah don't love that (laughs) (laughs) so they totally had an anime and and basically they were trying to reach like First of all, a younger generation, right? But then they were also kind of trying to reach the population that might have been considered outcasts, might have been a little bit more vulnerable, maybe a little bit more um, likely to hear his ideologies, which I thought was interesting. So we'll we'll link we'll link that on our website. The, Good call, yeah. The anime, but it's he's like floating on a cloud and shit. So
1: he took this Christ-like thing very
0: seriously. Yes, he did. Oh, well, you know, a lot of, quote, prophets and whatever grow their hair out. But he had this, like, really luscious, frankly, gorgeous, long hair. Some people just have all the luck with well, his hair. <laughs> with the hair specifically, because... And I being able to, to slug on clouds. <laughs> <laughs> he... So not everybody liked this guy, surprisingly, right? You don't say. A lawyer named... Satsumi Sakamoto was a lawyer who had taken on other cults in the past, and he set his sights on Um Shinrikyo and claimed that the organizational members did not join on their own free will and could not voluntarily leave. So, question, how do you
1: become a lawyer that specifically targets cults because that sounds like a dream gig, doesn't it?
0: I, don't I know mean, how I could we did see it. you doing that. Oh, I would love that. I, you would be so good at I that. I would have to pass the bar and that would not <laughs> I'm not a good test taker. You've already gotten past the GRE. How (laughs) hard could the bar be? If Elle Woods can do it, you can do it. Mm. I object. (laughs) (laughs) So members of Um Um, Shinrikyo entered the home of Satsumi Sakamoto um, in the middle of the night. Um, In the bedroom uh, was Satsumi, his wife, and their infant son. They beat his wife nearly to death and injected the infant with potassium chloride. Oh, no. This is the lawyer? Mm-hmm. Wow. His wife is then poisoned as well. Satsumi was. Um, but Satsumi uh, did not die from the potassium chloride, and he was beaten to death. That's tragic. Yeah. Their teeth were smashed in, and the weapons were disposed of, and all of their bodies were separated and put in three separate oil drums and they wouldn't find the location of their bodies until six years later. Ooh. Yeah.
1: So this got very violent and dark very quickly.
0: Well, and, you know, I passed... We we discussed briefly, but, like, people have already died. You know, the guy died during the initiation ceremony. The other guy died because he saw the other guy die. But this one feels more aggressive and violent than the
1: first two. Like, the first... The very first one clearly was not an accident, but I don't think killing him was the intent. Well, it's hard to say. That's true. It's unclear. We don't know. We don't know the background. But yeah, for a Eastern uh, cult based in Eastern religion, Mm -hmm. this is surprisingly dark and
0: violent. And it gets it gets worse. Oh, good. Oh, good. (laughs) So one high ranking member of the organization did escape and he fucking blackmails the organization (gasps) for years. Which I think is really ironic, and like it, he he got like millions of dollars, wow. millions of dollars. But what's interesting is that like he was obviously financially motivated. He didn't seem to be all that concerned about the livelihood and like the this the morality or like the status of anybody in the cult. Right. He didn't report them. He just fucking you know got his and pieced out. So, but yeah. that is important to note that. He was essentially blackmailing them.
1: He must have had something really good for them to not just come after him, too. True. Like, if they killed a lawyer, clearly they're not afraid of, you know, legal repercussions. Sure. So, I wonder what the hell he had on them.
0: On June 29th, 1993, residents in Tokyo reported a terrible smell in their neighborhood. The smell was then traced to the building of Um Shinrikyo uh, that they owned. The next day, residents start reporting nausea and vomiting. They're trying to poison the entire city block. So on July 1st, which was a few days later, a mist started (gasps) arising from the building. Animals are now getting sick and the people are getting more increasingly sick. Danger. Danger. So luckily, the city uh, required them to stop producing the mist and to vacate the building. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Right. It is later confirmed by members of the organization that this was their attempt to spread anthrax.
1: Oh, that's so much worse than what I was expecting. Yeah.
0: To spread wow. anthrax through, yeah, through the mist in the air. All right. So
1: were, like, the cult members also in this community? How, like, were they walking around
0: with gas masks? They That was their building. They basically set it up and then left. Okay, I see. Mm-hmm. So there, there was probably there somebody like monitoring it, but they weren't like camping out in there to like consume right. the the gas. The next attack was on three judges, and these judges were <laughs> thought to be against um, Shinrikyo. So, what did the organization do? They released sarin gas into the neighborhood that these three judges lived in. So, they lived together in an, in a building together, mm-hmm. and often, like in the in the hot summer months, people slept with their windows open. So, they released the sarin gas into the neighborhood, and it killed seven people. Mm-hmm. Hundreds were injured, and one person went into a coma for fourteen years <gasps> and died shortly after waking up from the coma. Oh, how shitty. I know. So sarin gas causes your muscles to all contract. And when they contract, obviously, breathing, your breathing is impaired and death can occur within 10 minutes.
1: Wow. That's wild. It's fucking wild. Man. So we haven't talked much. I guess the motivation
0: is to start the apocalypse. The attacks on the three judges were linked to um, Shinrikyo and a plan to arrest uh, Shoko Asahara- Basically went into place. However, members of Um Shinrikyo were in the armed services and the police department, so they were tipped off. Basically, of they're they like, were. "They're coming for you in a day or two, so like get ready." So Shoko Asahara created a plan for the very next day, and some did say, like you were saying that this was, like, a mild attempt to start the apocalypse. However, what's about to take place is very centrally located around police stations. So in my personal opinion, I'm like, I mean, obviously, they were targeting law enforcement. Yeah. So on March 20th, 1995, at 8 a.m., five cult members entered the subway. They split up uh, onto five different cars, each holding a plastic bag of sarin gas wrapped in newspaper. They placed the newspapers on the floor... Uh, and when the train stopped, they pierced the bags with the tips of their umbrellas and exited the car. So, Saren evaporates really quickly, almost immediately. Uh, and so, people begin coughing. Internal bleeding starts relatively mm-hmm. soon. Um, and everybody's confused. They're like, what the fuck is going on? So, people are exiting the cars. New people are getting on the cars because obviously they, they don't, don't know, know what's happening. Yeah.
1: I can really think of a few things that are scarier than right. being on public transportation and not being able to communicate when something mm-hmm. is going on Yeah, and all these people are suddenly experiencing it, like yeah, a new fear is unlocked. Sure. <laughs>
0: well, and it took them three stops to be able to communicate. Three stops? Three stops. So think about all those people who are getting on and off. And, and th- all that time they were exposed, you said 10 minutes? Yeah. Uh, wow. Wow. So 13 people died that day due to um, Shinrikyo's, you know, terrorist attack um, and thousands were injured. That's truly terrifying. It's really scary. So Shoko was hiding on the property that they owned, was found by police. He claimed that he didn't have anything to do with this at all. Of course. And that all of the members were acting alone. And it's interesting because they validated that story and were like, no, we totally did this on our own. Which, you know, if that's your. Okay, but they're in leader. a cult. Sure. Shoko Asahara's trial lasted eight years. During this time, it said that he developed uh, a mental illness, which basically he began like repeating phrases. And a lot of people uh, thought that this was his way to gain leniency or Mm -hmm. to you know claim insanity for his defense or something like that but he was sentenced to death and all of all other five members were also sentenced to death shoko asahara died by hanging on july 6 2018 by hanging 2018 i had no idea a that japan still had the
1: death penalty and b that they were still doing hangings yes yep That's only three years ago. Yep, that's wild. Wait, July? Three years ago this month.
0: Oh, shit, yeah. Next month.
1: Next month is June. This is coming out in June. (laughs) That's three years ago next month.
0: Wow. Yeah, yeah. The last thing I will leave you with is that the member of the organization that killed the lawyer Mm -hmm. was stabbed to death in front of paparazzi before his trial could even start.
1: I mean, clearly... They weren't afraid of any repercussions. Mm-hmm. They gave no fucks about the police. Zero. Yeah. Weren't afraid to die. Weren't afraid to
0: kill. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. I hadn't... Yeah. I... I. Uh, it just kept getting, like, weirder. more and more culty. Yeah. <laughs> as time
1: progressed. I think that one of the things about most cults is we kind of understand, like how they were able to persuade people to do the things yeah like there was this promise of an afterlife or someone who had achieved something that they were trying to pass on Mm -hmm. like thinking of nexium it was you know you get to learn from this brilliant person or you know achieve some type of um success
0: yeah and i think it was the
1: same with this guy Except that we talked a lot about his life and the things that he did, but not as much about like how he convinced people to do things for him. And mm-hmm. maybe we just don't know.
0: Well, and I think also it's all about persuasion. Being an effective cult leader. Being 101. Yeah. It really is the MLM platform where you're like, you get your six friends and they get their six friends. I mean, you know, People aren't gonna believe just him. It's like the other members of the organization too, yeah, that help give him credibility. So, but I mean, my research obviously focused more on like the terrorist shit that they did, but the whole thing is just fascinating. So, I mean, that
1: was a wild ride. Like we started with uh, youth with disabilities mm-hmm. who went to a school for the blind and ended up with multiple people killed, attempted killings, yeah, stabbings. Yep. Poisoning, Like, we really covered the, all the I mean, thing. all the things that yep. we love
0: and hate about cults. Cult bingo was achieved. see. <laughs> a couple minutes ago. So... <laughs> um yeah so i absolutely loved learning about this particular cult so thank you so much could have been heroes for recommending this and suggesting it for this episode we are going to take a quick break hear a little bit of words from them and then we are coming back with a little info about tammy and the (laughs) t-rex keep it up (laughs) do you like stories fairy tales adventure Happy, sad, scary things. Do you like fantasy gaming or just enjoy some good collaborative tale-telling? Then do we have the podcast for you. Come travel with us in the lands of Un on Could Have Been Heroes podcast. Could Have Been Heroes is an actual play podcast where six old friends adventure as six total strangers who after missing their shots at Destiny, now get a second chance to make a mess of everything. Tumble down to Farital, a world cast in the spirit of Wonderland and Oz, but with more murder, blood, and swears. Set in a unique and developing RPG that filters fantasy, horror, pop culture and other wonderful nonsense through the brains of a bunch of weirdos making their dream game you can catch could have been heroes on itunes spotify google play and wherever else you get your podcasts
1: okay so it's time to talk about tammy and the t-rex tammy
0: and the t-rex tammy and the dinosaur really actually totally dug this movie (laughs) Me too, and in a completely unexpected way. So surprising. I had never seen it. Neither I had never even heard of it. Never even heard of it. So thank you, Robbie, for requesting and suggesting this movie, because I feel like it's going to be like a comfort film for me now.
1: Oh, me too. I mean, this movie really had every bad sci-fi horror trope mm-hmm. that you can imagine. There were like a zombie theme. There were dinosaurs. There's like, love, there's romance, Two lo- love,
0: love, there chases, was no, escapes.
1: <laughs> there was no time machine, which is no. really the thing they were lacking. But that's
0: for the sequel.
1: I will share with you that they only had two weeks to make this movie. Really? Really. So that's why there's no time machine. If they'd been given a third week, I think they would have come up with a way to
0: work one in. I would think so. For sure. Good gracious.
1: Because we were super unfamiliar with it, I feel like we need to give a little bit more of a background Sure. for this one. I don't want to go plot point by plot point necessarily, just because I don't want to ruin the ending. Mm-hmm. We're also going to ruin the ending. so <laughs>
0: <laughs> The ending is everybody dies. Just kidding.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the ending is that... No one is actually as dead as you think they are.
0: Mm, Sort of. I see where you are going.
1: Sure. So let's preface, let's start this off by talking about who is in this movie. Mm -hmm. Because a young Paul Walker is a thing that I don't know that I knew that I wanted. Or or needed. needed. And I'm so thankful that he was here. Super adorable. So cute.
0: And he was in, not Smallville, but uh, Simple, not Simpleville.
1: Pleasureville, Pleasantville, Pleasantville. We will get there. <laughs> uh, I know him from Fast and the Furious, and that's literally the only thing I think I know him from.
0: Fast and the You've seen Fast and the Furious? I
1: have a little brother. I've literally seen every single one of
0: them. Oh my god! So Ray and I were watching TV, and it was like another one, and I was like, "Dear God, <laughs> when on will it end?" Number thirty-two. Now is that how high mm-hmm. we're up to? I think something like that. There's Roman numerals. It's a lot. Of, <laughs> it's a lot to keep
1: track of. For sure. I also don't remember him being in Pleasantville, but I haven't seen Pleasantville in years.
0: It was a small part. Okay. I, it's not Pleasantville, it's the movie with Toby Maguire in there he goes into the TV show, it's in black and white. Yeah, that's Pleasantville. Pleasantville. My brain. Are we right? I hope we're right. I think I think I'm confusing Smallville. Smallville, which is totally different.
1: Very not even in the same genre. No. More
0: in line of the film, though, that we're supposed to be talking about.
1: Oh, we should get back to that. <laughs> uh, so, Tammy, who is our main character, sort of, is played by Denise Richards, who you may know from...
0: Your Sexual Awakening.
1: Yep. That works for me. <laughs> um, and those were really the two big names that I think you'd recognize. And then we get to Dr. Watchenstein. Mm-hmm. who is played by Terry Kaiser. Does that name mean anything to you? Did I know you've got this thing for faces. No, I don't recognize him at all. Which is fascinating because he's in a really famous movie. I'll give you a hint. In, oh, he's in Weekend at Bernie's! <laughs> you didn't even let me give the hint. No, I know, I know, I know, but you, uh, yeah, he's in Weekend at Bernie's. He's in Weekend at Bernie's. So ironically, in this movie, he's passing off a man who's still alive as though he is dead, But he's most famous for being a dead man who has passed off as being alive. So that was a little fun trivia for you. A
0: little flippity-flop-flop.
1: I wonder if Weekend at Bernie's was inspired by Tammy and the T-Rex. They're like, you're the most convincing actor we've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Nobody
0: acts like you.
1: (laughs) We should just reverse this role. (laughs) You be dead now. Right. And we'll pretend you're alive. Play dead. I do want to give a little content warning if you're going to watch this movie. The very beginning, there's a really shitty ex-boyfriend, uh, Tammy's ex-boyfriend, that we're going to talk about a little bit. But he's super emotionally and physically abusive. Yeah. So be prepared for that. It I is, was not.
0: It was hard. It was hard to watch. It was a lot.
1: Yeah. Given
0: a how... Very convincing as
1: well. Super... Well, which I think is so funny in like juxtaposition to all the fake blood and fake gore mm-hmm. that was... Obviously, right? Fake and poorly done. His character was very real, mm-hmm. and it was a startling contrast. Yeah, and I didn't love it. Yeah, but outside of him, I'm really feeling pretty good about everybody else.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love. Yeah,
1: okay. So, what makes this movie a cult movie? Uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, we got a 50%. fifty percent. Critics were like, eh. You get 50 tomatoes, not the full 100. Sure. IMDb gave it a 5.1 out of 10.
0: Oh, yikes.
1: I know, which is so surprising because I loved it.
0: I loved it, too. I think campy movies tend to not do so well. Also, the budget was not. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Their GoFundMe didn't do as well as they'd hoped. No, it did not. They
1: clearly underestimate how weird people are and that we are going to want to watch the campiest uh, horror sci-fi movie mm-hmm. ever.
0: Also, did you notice that it was exactly an hour and 30 minutes? We will
1: talk a little bit about why in just a moment. Oh,
0: it was the perfect length. It was. It was a Wednesday. I watched it on a Wednesday. It's a great <laughs> Wednesday movie. Highly recommended. I watched it on a Sunday morning. Also, Also would work? Yeah, I felt really great about it,
1: actually. I could have, you know... Could go to church, could watch Tammy and the T-Rex. Who's to say what to do? (laughs) There's some similarities there. I'm not going to discuss what they are, but coming back from the dead, maybe. Sure. Yeah. We always come back to Jesus somehow. (laughs) Jesus and Hippocrates. Uh,
0: What's the difference?
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, this is a PG-13 sci-fi comedy about love and dinosaurs. So, for those of you who have not seen this movie, imagine, if you will... RoboCop meets Romeo and Juliet with uh, Jurassic Park.
0: Okay, I can see it.
1: Yeah, yeah. We got it's a it's a sci-fi B-rated mm-hmm. love story.
0: It is that yeah. takes a lot of liberties with a lot of <laughs> shit.
1: <laughs> it has a lot of loopholes. So Tammy the T Rex is a 1994 American sci-fi comedy. Written and directed by Stuart Raffel and co-written by Gary Brockett. It's important to note that we watched the 2017 version, which is the restored version. So, Mm. in 1994, when it was originally released, they cut out a lot of the grossness so that it would still be rated PG-13. However... Mm. You and I found this on the YouTube. Yes, we did. And it's the fully remastered, so it still has all the gross out gags, gratuitous decapitations and gut rippings and head smashings that you could
0: for Head smashings. Yeah, I pulled that shit up on YouTube on my TV. It was a wonderful Wednesday. I plan on going back and rewatching it tonight, actually.
1: Oh. Raphael, for those of you who are also into B movie classics, directed Mannequin Two. On the move, and the McDonald's sponsored ET knockoff, Mac and Me. I did not know there was a McDonald's sponsored ET knockoff, but I think we're going to have to add that to the cult list. McDon-
0: wait, let me digest that yep. for a second. A McDonald's sponsored ET, the extraterrestrial. What was the last part? Knockoff, knockoff, like a like a parody, I guess. I have not seen I that. Cannot, r- I cannot wrap my not mind heard around that. Um, add that shit to the list, because <laughs> five sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna, yeah, that's a thing that we need to experience. agreed. Um,
1: so in this movie, we have Tammy, who is a cheerleader, popular girl in school, crazy ex-boyfriend, mm-hmm. um who is truly the shittiest human being.
0: Yeah, he's not great.
1: No. And then we've got Michael, who's a super sweet baby angel. Oh, yeah, who he's fun, has fallen in love with Tammy. And yep. Tammy likes Michael. Billy's still in the way. So, opening scene, we've got your stereotypical early 90s cheerleaders, midriffs, and short Aww. cheerleading skirts. Followed by the stereotypical straight boy fight.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, stereotypical CA, correct me if I'm wrong, but they grab each other by the dick? Is that- uh, this right here is one of those
1: testi- testicular standoffs. Oh,
0: what a testicular. weird thing.
1: Did I say that word right? Testicular. I felt like it was wrong, but...
0: Testicular.
1: Testicular
0: standoff. (laughs) Why? What a weird thing. So, like, somebody wrote that. That was, like, a vision for the writer. They're like, you know what they're going to do? They're going to grab each other by the wiener. (laughs) Uh,
1: I fully expect that in the actual screenplay, it said, Testicular standoff.
0: Yeah. Interpret as you will. Also, I have in my notes... Let's bring back crop tops for men.
1: Because uh, yes.
0: he looked, I was surprisingly attracted to that. I mean, crop top, drop tops look great on everybody. That is true. Everybody is a crop top body. Amen. But he looked particularly, like, he's not normally my cu- my cup of tea, but. Mine either. But I love a man in a crop top. What mm-hmm. can I say? Um, he wore it so incredibly well. Mm-hmm. And it was like nobody... It was just like a thing. Everybody was like, oh, you're wearing a crop... Oh, you're wearing a crop top. That's whatever. You look great. Which is
1: exactly how I imagine everyone in Europe <laughs> to be walking around... Right. With their crop tops. Crop tops and trench coats. Oh, that's almost exactly what I wore you never, today. You never know when it's going to rain. I'm really hopeful that it starts raining soon. It's been really warm here lately. So
0: hot, right? I
1: know. Okay, so... We've got the testicular standoff and then cutscene go over to Dr. Weinchenstein. I should have watched this more than once to catch his name. Because uh, I'm probably going to pronounce it a different way every time I say it. That's okay. Yep. I think
0: that's that's good.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, like any father, Dr. Weinchenstein dreams of more for his monster. Mm. Freedom, a brain, and immortality. 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 So... Our dear doctor and his lady friend, Helga, mm-hmm. have acquired an animatronic dinosaur that is not supposed to be a real dinosaur. It was supposed to be an animatronic dinosaur. Right. Um, and he wants to Frankenstein this thing and bring it to life and is on the hunt for a brain. hmm Okay. Now we set that scene. We're going back to Billy and Michael. Okay. Oh. And- The lion who shows up out of nowhere.
0: Um, yeah.
1: So, we get to a chase scene. Billy, the abusive ex-boyfriend, is chasing Michael, the new boo.
0: The new boo thing captures him, puts him in the trunk of the car, then takes him to some type of wildcat sanctuary. Which should not be as easily accessible as it was. My next is... That lion is fucking real. That... They were literally... Like, there was no green screen. Like, this movie was so low budget. They're like, (laughs) do you agree to shoot uh, within six feet of a wild animal? They were like, listen, I haven't worked in a while. Sure. (laughs) So, they're literally in there with these fucking cats. Yeah. Uh, There was a lion, a panther. Oh, my! And other... uh, cheetah? There's a male... There's a male and female lion, and then there's a panther. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones that come to me off the top of my head. Yeah, that sounds right. They basically leave
1: Michael to be mauled by a lion, right? And they just like, drive Peace. away,
0: yeah, leave him alone.
1: How twisted do you have to be as a teenager, like, to get to the point where you're like, I know what is appropriate for well, someone hitting on the girl that I still have a crush on.
0: Obviously, they've done this before. They knew exactly where to go. Oh, that's so who a really good point. else has been oh my a gosh. victim of <gasps> the cat thing. How many brains were taken before Michael's? That's a great question. Also, there's two female characters who are a part of like the bad boy posse. One of which, and and they're both like willing participants of the oh, capture uh, yeah. of, of cap. What am I saying? Of like catching. capturing, yeah. <laughs> Jesus, of capturing him and uh one of the girls obviously really wants a relationship with billy mm-hmm. um and then one of them seems to have a little bit more of a conscience right she obviously is uncomfortable with what's going on however they both participate in this tragic thing key word here is tragic yeah. uh, the acting however
1: was surprisingly good Everything else was pretty tragic, but the acting was pretty good. So we got our teenagers. We've got our evil scientist who's obsessed with his animatronic dinosaur. We've got a wild animal park. Okay. All the kids in the school are now, like, meeting up for a party. And I can't believe we forgot to talk about Byron. Byron is the best. So Byron is the gay black best friend, Mm -hmm. which is like a double whammy of prop problematic stereotypes in this movie Mm -hmm. he's like the sassy gay friend he's also like the wise cracking black friend who just makes the hetero heroes seem cooler by association Mm -hmm. it's kind of the vibe he gives off but he has the best one-liners and this whole
0: oh he's so lovable and he and tammy have a really loving and like very real friendship which i appreciate because i think it's the healthiest uh, relationship of that exists in this movie.
1: <laughs> that's really who this movie is about, right? Is Tammy and it's Byron? It's a story of
0: friendship. Yeah. When I when I say shovel friend, and what I mean by that is like any any of your friends that you could call at three in the morning and say, "Hey, I need you bring a shovel." Yeah, that's what Byron is. That's what you are to me, girl. I got you, girl. I know. I don't own a shovel, but I'll pay cash at Home Depot. <laughs> I'll be there in twenty. <laughs> we need to start. Qualifying
1: our shovel projects—big shovel or little shovel—is okay. it like a gardening project? Sure. Like bring a shovel for—is it a
0: spade? Like a David Spade situation? Right.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. These are the important questions. Okay. So Byron has a lot of great one-liners. One of my absolute favorites. Tammy is just broken up. She's found out that Michael is dead or dying. Um, unclear, it's unclear. At certain at this time. point, yeah. And Byron's like hey, let's go to this party. And then he walks up to her and he says, I brought you a kamikaze with a vodka chaser. How you doing? Mm-hmm. That's, That's a the friend, friend we all need. Mm-hmm. The truest friend. So the evil scientist, you may or may not have seen this coming, ends up stealing Michael's brain. Right. So Michael gets into a coma. Evil scientist shows up, steals his brain to put it into the animatronic T-Rex. The
0: <sighs> heart wants what the heart wants. When you have a vision, you got to go for it.
1: You know, I admire his tenacity. Sure. He really just never gives up. That's right. I probably would have given up at (laughs) trying to merge a human with a dinosaur. Sure, An animatronic dinosaur. He did not. Mm. Good for him. Okay. The T-Rex, now Michael, escapes, wreaks vengeance on his high school tormentors, and is reunited with his sweetheart, Tammy. Mm. Would you like to be the one to discuss the charades that Michael and Tammy have to go through in order for Tammy to figure out that Michael is in a dinosaur's body. So
0: let me set the scene. So the dinosaur, Michael has just smashed to pieces a majority of the senior class at this school. To be fair, the shittiest people like they're the ones who left him to die. Right. will not be missed too terribly much. So he then grabs Tammy and they, they're in a barn and she's sitting on the hay. And of course she's like, Really scared. Yep. So then we see emerge from the bottom of the screen a little teeny tiny T Rex arm mm-hmm. with two little, little claws. Claws. And. But it's obviously a human hand wearing a glove. With the glove on. And <laughs> you might remember I was really obsessed with this in college. Uh, the sl- uh, the, the sloth, sloth swipe. Yep. Okay. So for all of you kids at home, Next time you want to high five your friend, <laughs> maybe consider switching to a sloth swipe. So you can either be a 2 or 3-fingered sloth, it depends on your personality. Right. I am um, your Harry Potter house. Yeah. So then you kind of scoop your your fingers together, kind of cup your fingers together and then you just swipe. And it's a sloth swipe. It's a great greeting. It feels more COVID friendly than like a high five or a handshake. Sure. It's just the general grazing of the tips of your fingers. Very (laughs) gentle, loving. That sounded super gross. (laughs) Just touch the tips of your fingers. So anyway, that's what I'm envisioning when he's like clawing up his tiny hands. And then she's like not scared anymore and he's trying to basically sign to her or charade to her right gesture to her who that
1: he's michael and and he's he's like struggling i didn't think t-rex arms were quite as long as they appear at this moment oh yeah
0: he could touch his head right
1: yeah which is not how Um, it goes Paleontologists are the ones who study dinosaurs, right?
0: That's right, Ross Geller.
1: Yeah. So if there are any paleontologists listening, can you tell us if a dinosaur, like if a T-Rex arm could touch its I don't like think temple? It... I don't feel like it can. No, because the neck but, Well, I'm aware, but I'm wondering how like double-jointed their
0: neck was. <laughs> that was Sorry a quick about review. That. <laughs> They're like, No, they cannot scratch their heads. <laughs> Okay, She's also very quick to accept the fact that he's a dinosaur. She is.
1: Okay, so they're reunited, and together they are trying to elude the mad scientist and police and find a more appropriate vessel for Michael's brain, mm-hmm. uh, which results in a Goldilocks and the Three Bears situation at the morgue. Oh. Which we just can't forget to mention because they tried to cover as many different demographics as possible sure so the t-rex is standing outside and tammy and byron are inside again the truest friend Mm -hmm. and they are looking around there are so many dick jokes and um there's also a lot of dead young people like what else is happening in this town (laughs) i mean they've got a mad scientist on the loose so who's to say but they um start holding up bodies for Michael to like give a thumb a claw up or a claw down. A sloth swipe up or down. Yeah the logistics of this are just unclear complicated. There are a few
0: plot holes. So another. What's also interesting is that they they hold up a bunch of different people who Mm -hmm. obviously look very different. Yeah so they got like a white guy. A white girl, yeah, that's a black, the thing. An Asian man. I thought that he was gonna go for the woman. I thought that that's where this was going, and then there was gonna be like some type of creepy, like you know, ma- man and woman's body with the brain. And you thought it was gonna turn into a lesbian rom com? Yeah, well, not even like the uncomfortable kind that we don't like. Well, to be fair,
1: there was not a single twist in this movie that I predicted.
0: That's a good point. Like.
1: Nothing about this movie went the way that I expected it to. There's so many twists and turns. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, it kept me on my toes the whole time. That's what happens when you go in with no expectations. (laughs) And we truly had none. Yeah. Actually, I think I had pretty negative expectations going in. I don't like horror. I don't like blood or gore. Mm -hmm. Pleasantly surprised. Mm -hmm. We'll watch again. Hang on to your boobs, girl. It's going to be a bumpy (laughs) ride. It's another Byron quote. Before we get into some fun facts, oh, I'm ready. Okay, so uh, our writer director friend uh, Stuart Raffel said in an interview that the idea for this film only happened because they had access to a full size T Rex animatronic.
0: How the fuck would they have access to a full size <laughs> animatronic T Rex? <laughs> what kind of friend circle does he? I need run to get in? into
1: this friend circle. Yeah. Uh, A guy came up to him who owned theaters in South America and said he had the T-Rex that was going to be shipped to a park in Texas. The eyes worked, and apparently that was, like, the big selling point was that the eyes blinked and the arms moved. He'd been waiting for that day for (laughs) his
0: entire fucking life. He's like, surprise, I've already got half the screenplay written. Um, It was a fever dream. That's how it started. (laughs) That's what this whole movie feels like.
1: It's a fever dream. Mm -hmm. So he told Raphael that he wanted to use it to make a movie. Raphael asked what the story was, and the guy was like, I don't know. You figure it out. But they had to start filming within the month because he only had the T-Rex for two more weeks. So they had to get all the T-Rex scenes out of the way within those two weeks.
0: So they probably shot the T-Rex scenes first.
1: So they wrote the story within a week (gasps) and worked on the script as they filmed. So they were like... Let's put Tammy on the T Rex's back and let
0: her ride off into the sunset. That was hilarious. The so, writing funny. is surprisingly good, and the acting is actually really good. This is blowing my mind. I like, know. For, and I can, they went the B rated route because obviously they didn't have any money. Because who's going to fund this shit? Well, and how can you, like, you've got two weeks to, to crowdfund for it or yeah. get, you know? And
1: this is 1994. So, mm-hmm. like, GoFundMe and other things like that probably weren't. Right you know.
0: Wow. I wonder how he found the actors.
1: I don't know how you get on that calling list either, but Denise Richards and uh, Paul Walker somehow made it, and I'm so thankful they did. Raphael said he was constantly asking the cast and crew if they had anything better that they could add, so even throughout
0: filming, he was like, well, this is what I got. You guys got (laughs) anything else? (laughs) Well, that makes, you know, I I appreciate when actors can kind of go off script a little bit Mm -hmm. So I think that that works, because they ultimately know their character pretty well, especially if it's just like a two-week-old baby character.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So another fun fact we've kind of already talked about, a lot of the Gorier scenes were originally deleted, but they ended up in the Italian version, which is why an uncut print was discovered, and it was able to be restored in, like, 2017. Wow. Because someone in Italy had the Italian version never got cut. Right. So they were able to like remaster
0: it and all those things. The standards are different in Italy. (laughs) They're like, it's fine. 13
1: years old, they can drink all the wine they want. They can also
0: watch all the gore they want.
1: That's right. Uh, My last fun fact for you is the movie's original title, you may have picked up on this when the movie starts. The original title was Tanny and the T-Rex. Tanny? A N N Y. No, I did not pick, did up, not on pick up on that. Well, you got to go back and watch it again. Is that in like the, was that, where what, Where would we have seen that? So like as soon as it comes up on YouTube, mm-hmm. like it, it's a black screen and then the yellow words, and it that's, says Tanny and the T-Rex. It says Tanny and the mm-hmm. T-Rex. It also, in every version, the uh, ending credits have always credited Denise Richards
0: as Tanny. Oh. <gasps> So they must have, so either they rebranded after they did the final version because they're like, Tanny's a stupid name. Also, (laughs) they say Tammy, right, in the script. Well, they don't say it that often. Like, Hmm. it's just a few times. Either that or somebody fucked up (laughs) their job and, you know, typing into Microsoft Word and and mistyped the name. Which is also a possibility.
1: Who's to say? It's unclear. Um, but I love that little. I think it's just such a weird, fun fact. Yeah, tanny and the T Rex. I, I did not t-rex. notice that. You're gonna have to go back and watch it again. Yeah. Because it's about to be this comfort show. So I want to get to the very last scene with the bowl, the bowl of brains, brain oh. in the bowl. Yeah. But before we get there, is there anything else that I missed that you wanted to add or talk about?
0: The only thing I have on my list, and I haven't, I didn't uh, fact check this, so I could be wrong. But the pizza delivery guy looked like the actor who played Pedro in Napoleon Dynamite. so I oh. need to go back and fact check that because I don't know if that's true. The gift strikes again. You you have such
1: a gift for seeing faces and remembering what other things. Well, been in. let
0: me let me Google it. Yeah, it's him. It's him. It's him. How do it's you his do very? This? It's his very first credit on IMDb. That's incredible. I love that. Also, the cover art from this for this movie is like crazy cool. That's
1: oh yeah, it totally is. I'm just still processing that Pedro is in this movie. Yep, yeah, he is. Okay, vote for him. Uh, he also does not survive. No, bless his heart. He gets. Is he the one who gets like rolled up into a little burrito by Helga? I don't know. I think he is. Someone gets rolled up into a little burrito by Helga.
0: Burritos by Helga. <laughs> Onto the brain in the bowl. Onto the brain in the bowl. So this gave me very floor show vibes from Rocky Horror. Yes. The boa and the outfit. I'll let you. The white lace. She. Corset. This, this poor girl, whoever was doing costumes was like, quick. Let me run to Adam and Eve and grab you All know, the a white corset from the sale rack yeah. from the wedding section. We need to get her a corset story subscription because, honey, there's better ones out there. <laughs> <laughs> so Tammy shows up, comes home from school one
1: day. It's unclear how much time has passed. Mm-hmm. Clearly, they had to give back the animatronic T-Rex at this point, And they weren't done <laughs> right. like tying up the storyline. So what are you going to do? So she goes upstairs to her bedroom. And... After, like, kissing her mom and dad. And her dad's like, I feel like this is a little unhealthy. In the back of my mind, I'm like, well, what could be more unhealthy than falling in love with a T-Rex? Sure. It gets so much worse. It really does. She has his brain in a bowl. Michael, same same guy. Same same brain. Is in a bowl, like, hooked up to a computer monitor
0: and a camera and a microphone. It's a whole weird tech setup anyway she basically so he's like actively talking to her yeah and she's answering and mm-hmm. he can see her right and so she does a strip
1: tease she
0: does a strip tease for like the camcorder that's recording her and it goes on just a little bit too long yep yeah like, i could have done without maybe like a minute of it like sure yeah i get it but it was very like 80s like heavy like The hairband music videos. like I felt like there should be a a car that she was like flipping around on. Yep, yep. I mean, I love a good lap dance. Except Except that there was no lap. There was no lap to be had, now was there? Yeah. So that was a little bit weird considering that she's supposed to be in high school. And it was a very interesting way (laughs) to end a movie about an animatronic T-Rex. Yep. The end of the movie
1: is... You got to give me a body. I can't take any more of this. And mm-hmm. then it cuts to black. And we're
0: like, okay. Okay. Got to find him a body. Got to find him. So I, the, the sequel never happened. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. Um,
1: I would really love for there to be a sequel to this with the same T-Rex. So crowdfunding. We could can make definitely it happen this time. Yeah. yeah. And I think my. So I like thinking about finding meaning in movies. Sure. Um, This particular movie made that a little difficult. (laughs) There's really just not much to find meaning from other than... I guess true love never fails. You know, true love means never having to... There was a
0: quote I said last time about the dinosaur. True love never is never having to give a reason? That's a friend's quote. Yeah, that was close. (laughs) But there's one... I read it on the website, and I was like, that's fucking hilarious.
1: So I guess we'll end on a quote from Byron instead. Perfect. The quote from Byron is, and the whole moral of this movie, you don't gallop off into the sunset with a dinosaur without causing a stir.
0: That is... True words were never spoken. <laughs> I really did love this movie. I loved my cult in a way that it's healthy to love a cult. Absolutely. Um, I this was like a really fun call episode to do and partnering with could have been heroes podcast has been so much fun and i can't wait to hear their episode oh that absolutely we helped to inspire super excited for that A little history that should be coming out this week as well so definitely check out their um channel, you know, visit them on Instagram. Their website is also couldhavebeenheroes.squarespace.com mm-hmm. and so if you visit us uh, at our Patreon website, patreon.com slash podcast without an audience, you can actually choose a topic for us and it can be either a psychology, history, or our bonus call episodes. Um yeah. So, here's a little example of that was this week where we didn't know exactly what we were getting into, which is super fun for us. Yeah. Um, Also our conspiracy episode was one that was previously sponsored by Patreon. Yes, it was. So we don't do intersection on our cult episodes. They both start with a C. They both start with a C and that is enough for us. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I really had a good time with this topic. So Again, definitely check out Could Have Been Heroes podcast. Mm-hmm. And if you support us, blink twice. And if you're out there, keep listening. Thank you for listening to Podcast Without an Audience. Find us on social media at Pod Without an Odd. You can find us on Instagram or Facebook. Or find us on the web at podcastwithoutanaudience.com. Shoot us an email at Pod Without an Odd at gmail.com. Our cover art is created by an actual angel, Ashley Acevedo. Our music is by Zach Smith and Ted Oliver, editing by Jacob Beeson.
1: We hope you enjoyed today's episode and all of our nerdy content. Please consider leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us today. Oh, and check out our Patreon for exclusive content and our pasta recipe. Again, thanks, and keep listening.